listening to Enjoy an Album, the podcast where two comedians listen to the top 500 greatest albums of all time. Yo, uh, mothers and fathers and children. Um, I think mothers, fathers, children's uncles, aunts, yes. grandparents. What do you call your grandparents? I'll just say that right at the top. I say nanny and grandy. Grandy. Grandy is my grandpa. Like a large name. coffee at Starbucks. Yeah, I guess they give me the grandy and they pass me. Your grandfather. My grandfather. <laughs> Which is weird. I don't think he's ever been to Birmingham, but they just found him. <laughs> Um, so um, I have one remaining grandparent thanks for reminding me <laughs> of that so early into the podcast to lose one grandparent is <laughs> unlucky is unlucky <laughs> to lose two killers to lose three dear boy you feel <laughs> all, all of what Oscar Wilde thinks you are an absolute gunk I'll tell you that much um, my mum's parents were called Nanny and Pop Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these are the Irish ones. No, that was the English ones. ones. Yeah, thought so. Yeah, nanny and pop. And my 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 dad's parents we used uh, her first name, um, and uh, and and we called him granddad. So it was different for both families. Yeah, but it's a cool question. Um, hello, <laughs> hello, it. new listeners. This is what it's like. <laughs> um, I want to talk very briefly about a music film that I watched last night. It's called Summer of Soul or When the Revolutionary When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Oh. About the Harlem Cultural Festival in nineteen sixty nine, a summer of gigs um that happened in Mount Park in Harlem. Um yeah. some of the biggest um African American artists um of all time. Played this huge festival yep. to 100,000 people. It was filmed and the footage has never been seen until this movie. And it's absolutely incredible. It's directed by Questlove. Yeah. Uh, I've got one of Questlove's books. Um, it's, about, it's like a creativity book. And I hope it be creative. It's an amazing film. And it's not only documenting the, these amazing gigs, the footage of which, by the way, is incredible. But literally, mm. it starts off with like a Stevie Wonder track. And I thought, oh, they've got this footage, but they've bloody... They've dubbed it with like the studio edits of the sound, right? Oh. And then I realised, no wait, not so, not so. That's just how good it's like for something that was recorded in 1969. It, they've obviously like done a lot of work on it, but it mm-hmm. it looks and sounds fucking amazing. Um, loads of cool artists on it: Nina Simone's in it, Gladys Knight and the Pips, um, lo- loads of others, Slime Family Stone. Um, but it's also uh, throughout. There's a lot of to do with like Black history during the, the 1960s, and you know what what everything everyone was doing, and how relevant it was to the the current um, story of like life in Black America. It's fascinating, but it's got it's just great music all the way through. Mm-hmm. Amazing footage. Can't recommend it enough. Stick it on, you'll be like, holy shit! It's one of the coolest music documentaries I've ever seen. Yeah, because 1969s, the end of the 60s. So it was like Altamont, and it was like just after Woodstock and after the Montreal 
pop festival. Yeah, and all which that gets all the press, you know, um, and and we've heard of and gets spoken about. Whereas the Harlem yeah. Cultural Festival was maybe as significant, um, and yet has never really been mentioned or spoken about. Way more significant. Who's better, Jefferson Airplane and Laura Nero? Who didn't even know she was 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 not getting booed, mm-hmm. and or fucking Stevie Wonder, packing it and jacking it on stage in Harlem. Come on, it's really it's really cool. There's some great foot. One of my favorite bits of the film is uh, when they go to the Harlem uh, Cultural Festival to interview attendees about the relevance of the moon landing, and it's just person after person just saying, "I don't give a fuck about the moon landing. This is more important." And it's amazing how many people in a row say words to that effect. It's really cool. I think it was a kind of popular, uh, a popular idea at the time. For sure. Like, why are you looking? Why are you going to the moon? You haven't even sorted here out, you idiot. Yeah. Do you ever just look at the moon though and go, "Fuck, man, I cannot believe we went there." Yeah, I look at it like, "Fuck, man, I don't believe we went there." Liam is a moon moonsplainer. That's what. Do you, who think, called them? do you think we went to the They moon? should be called moonsplainers. Come on. <laughs> Still trying moons. Yeah, but then, do you know that way when you're on the tube and the moon sits down next to you and it won't keep its legs closed? <laughs> what do you call that? Yeah. Um, a big bastard. Anyway. I met a guy who worked quite high up in NASA once and I asked him. You kid not? You know, and, um, <laughs> and And he said. Um, well, we're going to find out soon because we're sending up some other probes to the moon and I guess we'll see what uh, what was left behind. So he was unsure himself. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. And if you want to hear more stuff about the moon, go back and listen to previous episodes of Enjoy a Moon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we listened to the top 500 moons of all time, according to Rolling Moon magazine. <laughs> What's your favourite moon? Um, Charon, one of Mars's two moons. That's what I like the most. Anyway, um, thank you for listening. If you like talking about the moon, you can um, talk talk to your barber about the moon. Talk to your candle shop maker about the moon. Talk to uh, your builders who do work on your property that you own. What is going on? Listen, um, thank you, editing Wilbur for the edit. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast please continue to tell your friends the audience numbers are growing week on week as ever um, which means you guys are telling people and talking about it so we're very grateful for that um, we've got some potentially mm, exciting news in the pipeline so um, we'll keep you posted about, about still in the about pipeline that. it's being digested yes it's in our it's not being shat out yet. not quite yet but it will be soon um, this is uh, I, the rectum I... the sphincter of information is flickering in the night i genuinely believe this episode on beck is one of our best in some time there is so much fun stuff to get into about beck um and this album and his other work and his uh, his other uh moments in his life that i think is really cool so uh, i i think you'll enjoy it um thanks so much and we'll catch you later catch you versace peace and love in the new millennium enjoy an album Rolling Stone magazine's introduction to Odelay by Beck.
Burrowing into the studio with the Dust Brothers, Beck came back with a Technicolor version of his Woody Guthrie meets Grandmaster Flash vision, demonstrating to all his rock peers on Devil's Haircut and Where It's At that turntables had a brighter future than refried grunge, while reminding listeners of the 60s and his own folk roots with the shabby, lovely jackass. As he told Rolling Stone in 1997, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways, a lot of what my generation is into, what it rep- represents, I'm totally against. Wow. What do you think he meant by that? What do you think he was against? Yeah, I don't know, but it doesn't make any sense because this, at the time, was an incredibly modern record, you, you know? Uh, I think he was talking about, like, uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Silver Chair, all these big sad, uh, I'm, a, I'm a real guy, I'm authentic. I'm making real guitar music, you know? Whereas he's like, I'm sampling little songs and flicks and stuff, and I'm just as authentic as you are, you big goof. Loser came out um, three weeks after the death of Kurt Cobain. So in many ways... Probably recorded it before he died. Oh, no, he did. We'll we'll get into that. But, but, But... but interesting, I think, zeitgeist music-wise, like the... I'm a loser, baby, know, the, so I don't we, kill me. Yeah, like, that was number one three weeks after one of the most significant events of, uh, you know, in the 90s. One of the biggest losers of all time killed himself. Yeah, yeah. I'm a loser, so why don't you kill me? Like, that's just relevant, I think. That was his, um, that was Kurt Cobain's interior monologue. No, his interior monologue was, uh, please, Courtney, put the gun down. <laughs> Yeah, I said it. Oh my god, man! Yeah, coming for you. I don't actually believe that, but um, hey, had you heard of? Before we get it back, what do you think happened with Kurt Cobain? Straight up, he killed himself. I think you think he killed himself straight up. Big time, right? I think it's pretty obvious. It's not like, do you know what I mean? I was mad when people say, "Oh, you know, he was killed." It's like, have you ever heard any of his songs or anything he's ever said? You're surprised he killed himself. Have you have you been on the planet ever? Have you met anybody depressed? What he, the fuck are you talking about? He was always saying he wanted to kill himself, and then he did. And people were like, "Whoa, no way, man! <laughs> <laughs> no way is this happening?" When someone um, tells you who they are, believe them. That's something I read on Twitter. Anyway, quite rightly, you asked me. Uh, uh, had I ever heard the Beck before this week? Uh, had you ever heard the Beck this week? <laughs> a great way to answer a question. With a question. Just completely ignoring it and answering the same, asking the same question back. Um, I'd listened to this album, uh, I guess about 2008, 2009. Um, I was not long moved to Edinburgh. My, my school friends were going to see Beck. Oh, where? My friend Pat was probably more into like, Old, uh, yeah, he had like quite a broad taste, in, broader taste in music than I did. They went to see him. I I don't know if it was Hyde Park or Victoria Park or something like that. And I remember seeing video footage from the tour. It looked really cool. He had this sort of stage show with these puppets, mm-hmm. and so there were these like um, what are the puppets called where you you can hold. You, it has like a cross that you hold and control there. It's a marionette. Ma- yeah, yeah, marionette puppets. Um, and so there was like four of the, there was the band and in front of the band, there was puppet versions of the band mm. playing their instruments. And then a camera was pointed towards the puppets and it was that that was going out on the big screens. Right. So if you uh, along just with the songs up the back, you'd have been like, I don't know they were puppets. 
Well, it looked it looked like puppets on the big screen, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's like a funny, cool sort of arty arty thing to do. Yeah. So you 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 had you listened to this album in prep for a live show. I didn't go to the live show. Oh. My friends were going, and I was like, oh right, and it was someone yeah who whose musical taste I trusted. Yeah. Big um. So I, I I went and checked them out, and uh, I listened to it a couple times. I I didn't really get into it into it. You know, I didn't dislike it, but it, I guess it wasn't really my thing at the time. Um. So uh. So yeah. So that that's my um my my Beck background, if you will. <laughs> Had you never seen my intro to Beck, which was the uh, Futurama episode that's all about Beck? It sounds vaguely familiar, so I think so, but I can't remember. It's, I mean, I was going to say, is his head in a jar? But all the heads are in jars, were they? Correct. Yeah. Do you want me to do one of my classic synopsises, my brief synopsises of uh, films and TV shows? No. Okay. So it starts off, Fry from Futurama finds a VW bus, um, like, uh, you know, from the 60s and 70s, in the year 3000, right? Uh, and all the Planet Express staff decide to become like festival goers. Um, Bender gets caught. Bender's a robot. If you're not seeing it, he gets caught in a machine that has a magnet in it. And if you know the lore of Futurama, magnets make him freak out. But he gets magnetized, and then a big can opener tears him up. He's paralyzed for the neck down in a hospital bed, and he's like suicidal. But then he hears harmonica playing from the bed across from him. Who is it? Beck. He's got the body of a mannequin and his head's in a jar and he's playing the harmonica in the jar. And uh, Beck says, hey, don't kill yourself. What if you used my harmonica holder, which is little telepathically controlled robot hands, why don't you stick that and then use the little hands of that to like play the washboard on your fucked up belly? And then Bender joins his band and uh, he writes this song about like robots who are like for the scrap heap it's like a big anthem but then he realizes oh he's he's better he was only paralyzed for like two weeks and then he has to do this song in a very fraser style situation he has to perform this song about being paralyzed and like scrap heap but then he's not it's great how does he play the harmonica and the, when his head's in a jar that's what i was thinking as well i suppose none of it makes sense that <laughs> Yeah, oh, no, good point. Well made. Because, <laughs> uh, you know... It's ultimately a stupid question because it's a cartoon, Liam. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, I enough. noticed that when uh, when you were playing the uh, xylophone on your ribcage, uh, you struck the third rib twice and it made two different notes. What was happening What's there? that from? It's, Is that a Simpsons joke? Simpsons joke. Wow, do you love your Matt groaning this week, huh? Oh, man, I'm groaning with pleasure at the very thought of watching a Matt groaning cartoon. <laughs> So your familiarity with Beck um, draws from his appearance in Futurama. Had you listened to much of his oeuvre? I had. I mean, I, only, I watched that when I was like, what, like six or seven or eight or nine? I was a single digit, I think. You were six or seven or eight or nine. I think. When did Futurama come out? I remember when Futurama came out and it was like in all the magazines. It was like the guy who made The Simpsons made something else. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, I was so excited. Doesn't sound like a six-year-old to me. I was like, "What the fucking fuck?" <laughs> you know, um, and then uh, I and I didn't really have that reaction when Disenchanted came out. Let me tell you that much. Even though it had the girl from uh, Broad City and the guy and Eric Andre was in it as well. You know, 
I've never seen it. Oh, it's on Netflix. It's like a Mac right now. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Okay, you don't like cartoons. I've got better, I've got better things to do. What, you, what, you doing is, what, what are you doing is better than watching a new Mac Groening cartoon, Liam? Um, an enjoying album podcast Sing about as one the artist. Thing. Name two other Beck. things. Um, um, jacking off. Jacking off and doing a podcast. Yeah. The Modern Man. Uh, uh, so... I had never like listened to Beck. I don't think even like because I was like a wee boy. So I, there's always stuff like that with The Simpsons, though, where you watch it and they're like, "Oh my god, this week it's this guy." Surely, if it's like Michael Jack episode where Michael Jackson was in The Simpsons, surely everybody knows who Michael Jackson is. But it's... yeah, but like we remember you know, Linda Ronstadt was was um, <laughs> yeah. in The Simpsons. We played the clip, I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, another another enjoy an album expat. Yeah, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. But then I, I, I think there was like an episode of Family Guy that's like a whole My Morning Jacket episode. Have you ever listened to My Morning Jacket? They're like an Americana indie rock band. No. no. I think their name might be a jack-off joke now I think about it. My Morning Jacket. You think so? Sounds like it. Yeah. Oh, they had a whole episode of American Dad or uh, Family Guy or something. And it's like apparently it did big things for the ticket numbers. Yeah. Um... Anyway, <laughs> do, do you ever have that thing though where you watch a cartoon when you're a wee boy and you just don't know what the fuck who this person is? Like, I th- yeah, I, they might they might as well have made up back, you know. I think sometimes on those Simpsons uh, guest appearances as well, though, they were people who were famous in America who I had no fucking idea who they were. Still, that's right. We've spoke about Gary Coleman in that episode where he's the security guard. Yeah. Um, uh, right, mate. I'm excited about wait, one of the most. Wait, that's not even my only. That's not even my only thing. Oh, okay. Do you have another film that you want to, or TV show that you want to do a boring synopsis of? Have you seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World? Yes. Okay. So Scott Pilgrim is like a twenty. No, we know it. We know it. Of... We've spoken about it before. Have we know we... it. Oh yeah, because yeah, Eddie yeah. thinks he was in Scott Pilgrim. Well, he was in a, a pastiche of he was trapped uh, in a pasty. It was yeah. He's 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 was cursed he's by a Gavin Webster. <laughs> Um, and he lives inside a, a sausage roll. No, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie Ting was in a, a, a an award-winning short parody of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and I've seen it because it's yeah. Anyway, right? Yes. So Beck, I don't remember the Beck reference in Scott Pilgrim. He done like most of the music. Oh really? See when it's like my garbage truck, ding da ding ding da ding da truck truck, and then that song is like threshold, and then he does this "We Are Sex Bob Bomb" song. Oh, we are sex bomb. Yeah, that's her. And then the big breath. Doing the, the the I hit my microphone when I was doing that. Um, you get too excited. Yeah, well that's Edgar Wright, isn't it? Who's a big muso. Ed- you can imagine Beck is someone, and we'll, we'll we'll tap into this more later. But he's definitely a musos because who was the other artist we had recently? Who uh, music for musos? Whereas like people were listening to him. Oh yeah, I get that reference. And oh yeah, I hear oh, that sample. I recognise. There's a lot of that. Yeah. I'm a big. A I'm that. really sorry for bringing a film up. I'm a filmo. I'm a mm. filmophile. I love films. Yeah, you love you. You love young films. Uh, no, just any age. Oh, wait. Right. <laughs> Appropriate ages of films. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be weird if a guy was like, "You ain't my pedophile." No, I like it's people of every age. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what you just said. But go on. No, I'm talking about films, man. Yeah, okay. Films. I, like films. I only watch films that are, um, are half my age plus seven. 
That's really respectful. Yeah. You'd have to change every... No, because... Would you have yeah. to change your favourite film every year? Yeah, but I'm a filmer, so that's easy. Oh, yeah, cool. No worries, bruh. Um, <laughs> I, I love Scott... What, what episode did we talk about Scott Pilgrim in? I can't remember. I can't even remember. Uh, uh, we must have been speaking about Edgar Wright as well. Edgar Shea. Because he um, sparks, maybe sparks, because he loves them. Sparks for sure. Anyway, yeah, I love that film, man. That was like my. I just wanted to be him when I was like uh, eighteen. I wanted to have a Rickenbacker base. I wanted to have girlfriends, and I wanted to win fights. And yep. uh, none of that happened. No, no, you're still the same, the same wee boy. I'm like a background character in Scott Pilgrim now. I'm like the guy who comes up to him at the party, and he's like, um. Just asking him if he knows people. What's his name? Camo? Joey Camo? I've only seen this film once. Really? When it came out. If, I've seen it like 10 times, man. I love it. The music's yeah, class. <laughs> um, okay. I'm excited for um, this week's edition of Secret Pot Show. Secret Pot Show. Secret, Secret Pot Show. You do it fast and it feels like got no money. You got Secret Pot Show. So before I start, have you done any of your own research into this? Or because I'm, I just want to gauge your level of knowledge. Because I, I, I suspected that there would be big secret posture vibes on this guy, um, and I'm wondering if you felt the same before you did any before you looked into it. I'm trying to think what I knew. You know, it's that kind of slacker core. It's very popular amongst the posh boys, isn't it? The, yeah. You know, if it's so like I, I'm just a wandering nomad. I used to make bro. the mistake of like wearing like vintage clothes and stuff, um, you know, and that's just something that's cool when you have money, you know. Yep. If you don't have money, but you dress like shit, it's like oh, you're just weird, <laughs> you know. And the guy who used to work in a, an Indian takeaway near me, his name I can't remember his name, but he was a good guy. He was called Space Boys, and he always used to go, "Why are you always wearing old stuff, man? You should get like." Nice new stuff, and he was like, <laughs> how, "He was like, how much do they head for? Cause I had these like leather headphones I got for Urban Outfitters. They're like old vintage headphones." And he was like, "How much do they cost?" I was like, 60 pounds." And he was like, "You could get like two pairs of like nice, like shiny modern headphones for that price." Yeah, like, but if they're from Urban Outfitters, I imagine they were well, they're just it. made to look old rather than being that's old, it. right? Yeah. But he was like, "Why would you get something that isn't even old?" But you just didn't understand it. Yeah, well, he doesn't understand uh, vintage cool. No, he wasn't any back this guy, put it that way. Yeah. Um, would you recommend Spice Boys as a as an establishment? Um, depends what you're ordering, really. The spicy chicken. Well, if you're, if you're ordering Indian food. Spicy chicken pizza in there. If you like good Indian food, I would get the spicy chicken tikka <laughs> pizza. Maybe the chicken hoagie. <laughs> is nice i had a very depressive period and when i was 19 and i ordered four or five hoagies in a row i must have told this in, story in a podcast in a, yeah, yeah 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 right um okay this is great right uh beck's background is i was like i fell down a few wormholes here he's got a lot going on there's a lot of interesting stuff so let's go through it his mum her name was bibby hansen bibby hansen she was um, one of Andy Warhol's uh, superstars, mm-hmm. is what he referred to them as. Basically, the models that he would work with regularly in his uh, sort of 15 minutes of fame period, which were at the factory. 
Um, so she was like connected, like you know, to the the New York elite, mm-hmm. I guess, from a from a young age. Um, she was in a band briefly called the Whippets, Ooh. and the other member of that band was uh, Jan Kerouac, the daughter of Jack Kerouac. Wow. Um, they released a song called uh, I Want to Talk With You, which was like a response um, to the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand. Um, and if you listen to it, it is, it's like the female, it's like the woman in that relationship is singing back to the I Want to Hold Your Hand. Hey, you got something. I want to yeah. talk to you. Is that what it's like? It's, basic, it's basically that. It did really badly. Um, Jan Kerouac, despite being Jack Kerouac's daughter, um, lived a life of incredible, of in, like really bad poverty, and really? uh, ended up, yeah. What you think the guy who travelled America smoking LSD and fucking everything that he could see uh, was an irresponsible and absent father? You fucking bet he was. He would have set up a pension or something, you know. Nah, he was a piece of shit, Jack Kerouac, yeah, wasn't I he? I hate that guy, man. Do you really? Yeah, I'm not a Kerouac guy. I read on the road at uni and I loved it mm-hmm. in that classic way that, um, you know, white boys, white arty boys at uni do. I hate it. White people call white people white people. Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, you do. You just did it to yourself. Yeah, no, I just described myself as white. That's not the same as making fun of other white people, is it? You in the past is a different person from you just now. That's true. Me in the past thought that Jack Kerouac was the best writer ever. <laughs> and uh, I read on the road. And I was really taken in by this idea of, you know, just just driving just place to place. Just drive to a town. Here's my recollection of that. Hey, I got to uh, split town. I got to go down to San Francisco. On the way, I'm going to stop off in a logging town. I'm going to log. I'm going to lift up logs and put them on the buzzsaw, like in that first town at Skyrim. I'm going to cut yeah. logs in half. And I'm going to have sex there. with absolutely every woman in a three-three-county area, and then I'm going to split. I fucked the logger's daughter, and she cried in the barn. She held a cigarette to my head. She burned a hole in my head. I left town. I fucked the taxi driver. It's like, all he's doing we, is leaving places and fucking got, people. We had no money, so I picked up a guy at a whiskey shop, and I let him fuck my ass in the back of his truck and then I smoked his dick until I could get back to San Francisco and write a book. I'm like, okay, bro. <laughs> Sounds cool. I moved to a fish gutting factory. One of the fish offered me $5 if I, he could fuck my mouth. I let him. <laughs> okay, man. I left town with a face full of fish cum. Okay, man. If you say so. You're telling me that guy wasn't, uh, wasn't, he didn't do. He didn't go to parents' evening. <laughs> I went to parents' evening. I had to split town. The teacher offered me five bucks for me to fuck his ass. I fucked his ass. I left town. I forgot to pick up the five bucks. I went back. I got it. I left town. I smoked hash. That isn't good. Read, read the fucking story cycle before you try writing another book, Jack Kerouac, man. You asshole. So um, his his um, daughter was pals with uh, Bibby Hanson, and they did a song together that failed. Um, you, need, you need to call her something else. Cause is it BB Hanson? Maybe because Bibby makes me think of what Tim Rogers calls his dog in the action button videos. He calls him Bibby. So Rabbis. it's spelled it's spelled B I B B E. That's Bibby. You're Bibby, right, Bibby. Um, her, her Wikipedia page says after a chance meeting with Andy Warhol, she starred in his film. And I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit here. Because I don't think it was a chance meeting. 
because her dad mm-hmm. was uh, Al Hansen. So Beck's grandfather was a performance artist called Al Hansen in New York, who was best friends with Yoko Ono and John Cage. Yeah. Um, and have you ever heard of Yoko Ono's thing where the Yoko Ono piano drop? You ever heard of that? It's where the, so. basically performance artists would take a grand piano to the top of a like very tall building and then push it off. That sounds class. And he invented that and, and then Yoko Ono would do it and then it was known as the Yoko Ono oh. piano drop. So, so I'm saying if you're hanging out with Yoko Ono and John Cage... If your grand, if your if your dad is hanging out with Yoko Ono and John Cage, and you're pushing pianos off the fucking, off of the Empire State Building, I think Andy Warhol probably fucking knows who you are. Yeah, it's no chance meeting, is it? Do you know what I mean? Like how big? I mean, like, look, we're talking about New York in the sixties. Sure, it was a bit crazy, okay. But I, I think, I think they operated in the same circles. Mm-hmm. Um, her, uh, Beck's dad called David Campbell, um, who one of the most influential composers of modern music, um, an orchestral arranger. Um, I looked at a list of the stuff, the albums that he's worked on. It is a who's who of enjoying album alumni. Oh, yeah. This uh, the, the list is fucking goes on forever. This guy like arranges on probably about fifty albums a year. Oh. I'm just gonna read some of the names that he arranged strings on the album. And these are just the people that we've covered so far on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Linda Ronstadt, Art Garfunkel, uh, that trio of uh, Dolly Parton, Emily Lou Harris, and Linda Ronstadt. Bonnie Raitt, Diana Ross, Rolling Stones, Sinead O'Connor, Sinead O'Connor um, <laughs> Paul McCartney, Linkin Park, Robbie Williams, Cheryl Cole, um, Cheryl Crow, Robbie Williams. <laughs> Metallica. What? I burped during Metallica. And the Metallica. Beach Boys. Oh my God. That's a lot of, I mean, that's just the people we've done so far. There's a similar thing where a guy called Owen Pilot, who was like, uh, he had the stage name Final Fantasy, had to change it because Square Enix kept annoying him about it. He was mm-hmm. the strings arranger on like, you know, when I was dead into like Pitchfork, he was on every fucking like best new music and even all the 6.0s and stuff, you know? Yeah. I guess it's just because there's like four people who can arrange strings. So if you're like the cool guy, everybody wants you. Yeah, uh, and he did some arrangements. Uh, there's a, a, a famous, amongst Radiohead fans, uh, performance of 15 Step from In Rainbows, which is the first song on In Rainbows, and it starts with this amazing sort of electronic drum beat. <laughs> and uh, for the 2009 Grammys, they performed that with a giant marching band doing the drums, and uh, he arranged that. So, like, this guy, his fingerprint is all over modern music, and he's backs. Uh, David Campbell, right. and uh, he's Beck's dad. Good Scottish right? boy. Sounds like good Scottish boy, David Campbell. Mm. Now, um, here's the thing, though. This was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, his mum and dad split up when Beck was ten, mm. and the majority of his career success happened after the the, the split up. All of it, basically. Um, all of his, you know, influenced influence in um in modern music happened um sort of in the, the 10 20 years after that uh-huh. so despite all this i'm not going to call beck a secret posher he moved back to after the, his parents split up he moved back to la with his mum mm-hmm. he was in the poorest area in la mm. 
He went to a school. Uh, he was the only white kid in his school, he says, and felt uh, extremely... Um, uh, what's the word? It, it felt like an outcast who ended up leaving school. To try and make friends at school, he tried to learn break dancing. I don't think that went very well. Um, so he left school before he finished. Do you know what? Uh, See if you were like a wee nerdy artistic white guy and you were the only white guy in your school in like the 80s in LA, you probably would uh, eventually write an album of uh, perfect weird hip hop, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah, you can see the the line, can't you? Yeah. Um, he, uh, he 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 got a fake ID so that he could sneak into LA College mm. to listening to the music lessons. Um, so I think that despite his like, here's the thing, right? If your mum is a model for Andy Warhol when she's younger, mm-hmm. right? Um, and your granddad used to push pianos off buildings. For Yoko Ono. Secret boss. Neither of those things... Well, hold up. Okay. Neither of those things scream, <laughs> I made a lot of money from this. You need... It, right. There's a, see when you're pushing pianos off of buildings? There's a huge overhead. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're standing under the building, there's a massive overhead. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like Tom and Jerry shit. And I'm a lot not of talking pe- about Simon and Garfunkel. No. <laughs> A lot of people don't realise that Beck's granddad, you know, a lot of safes would fall on him while he was on steps and he would become <laughs> step-shaped. Uh, <laughs> do you know you can buy that? You can buy all the little, like, shaped Tom, you know? Like when Tom would, like, uh, say, try and squeeze into a mouse hole and his whole body would turn into, like, a... What do you mean you can buy it? You can buy it. <laughs> you can buy it, man. You can buy the Tom. It's like a toy. Right, a toy. Okay, <laughs> that very important context. You can buy it, man. I left town. I bought Tom. <laughs> All right, man. I met Tom and Jerry down at a thrift shop, and Jerry said he wanted to fuck my ass for a piece of cheese. Wait, <laughs> Jerry was getting a piece of cheese at this. <laughs> what a terrible. Hustler, you can buy that. what a terrible you can buy that hustler cheese. Jack Kerouac was that he was bumping into Tom and Jerry, and Tom, Jerry, the little brown mouse, was fucking his ass, and Kerouac was giving him cheese. The reason I'm saying Beck is not a secret post show is because in the um, in, in ensuing years, he lived a life of, of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, he had learned to play guitar and was a big Delta Blues enthusiast. Mm. Um, so that was the first sort of stuff he would sing. Um, what's it? Mississippi, um, sort of blues. Yeah, it's blues and country. And I've actually been getting into country recently. Uh, mm. So I was I was all over the kind of country tinged nature of uh, some of the music this week. This is another really interesting thing that happened, right? So he left school. Oh. Um, he used to play music just on the buses. He used to just sit on the buses and just play music and improvise about what was around him. Um, before eventually he decided to move to New York. He went to New York on a bus. He had $8 and his guitar um, and decided to try and make it somehow as a musician in New York. Stumbled upon the anti-folk movement. Now, we know... We know Lech. An anti-folk musician 
called by the name of Latch, yeah. who moved to Edinburgh some years ago and occasionally performs at the the comedy nights here. And people would often say to me, you know, Latch was quite a big deal in New York. He, he started the whole anti-folk thing. Uh-huh. And, you know, you're like, okay, you meet him. He's a pretty normal dude. Latch comes up on Beck's Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah. I like- you click anti-folk on there and it's all, you know, Latch started this night and Beck used to play it and uh, he used to sleep on Latch's fucking couch and all that stuff. So that's interesting. I was pretty anti-folk when I was like... I know I'm always saying I was into stuff when I was a teenager. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I was into any folk. I like Jeffrey Lewis a lot. The amount of people you were into as a teenager, you should be a, a platinum-selling Beck-style musician. <laughs> Who's? I'm an I'm a, I'm an artist, man. I do my little stories. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I was a, I was really into Jeffrey Lewis. He was a big anti-folk guy. Um, Latch was telling me about him. I interviewed him when I was a wee guy. When I was a music journalist. Um. He said, Beck said he ran out of couches to sleep on after a while, mm. saw that New York trip is a failure, moved back to LA, was working in a video shop and just going from folk night to folk night, performing his weird little songs. Sometimes he would wear a stormtrooper helmet mm-hmm. and just like improvise um, in between other folk acts. Do you know how I was saying uh, in the, 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 the Lost Lobos episode that uh, they kind of stuck out in LA at the time because they were just like a normal rock band in the 80s? But like mm-hmm. all the the big popular rock music in the eighties in LA was like Motley Crue and Poison and Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister and Rat and all these types of big hair metal bands. I think you need to kind of look, if if you're thinking about like a guy who's just out of the anti folk scene in New York, just doing really kind of like intentionally annoying music, showing up at a coffee house in LA whenever when it's fashionable to have like big hair and like tights and makeup on and stuff and he's just doing this completely uncommercial music do you know what I mean yeah avant-garde almost trying not to be good mm-hmm. um ironic lyrics yeah so uh, eventually kind of got him noticed apparently he was living in a shed infested with rats when a music producer said, you know, why don't you come over to mine? And uh, I'm into hip hop. And they laid down Loser, uh-huh. um, which Beck kind of forgot about for a while. I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? Did you ever, did you ever do Beat the Frog? No, the frog I didn't actually. I, no. So in the, in, there's a comedy club in Manchester called Frog and Bucket, and they have a night called Beat the Frog, which is their gong show. So you get like mm. two minutes grace period and then if the crowd don't like you, there's cards in the crowd. And so I, if, if I was doing it, I would get the the bus from Glasgow to Manchester, you know, at like 1pm, get there for 5pm, do the show at 8, get the bus home 1 in the morning, get home for 5 in the morning. And like if you didn't last the five minutes, they would play, I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? So presumably, so when I asked at the very start of the episode, what do you know about Beck? Surely that should have come up as something that you'd heard millions of times whenever you performed at the Frog and no, Bucket. No, I'd never heard it, man. I'd never heard it. I never got gonged off. I'm very good at stand-up. I'm one of the best. <laughs> one of the best in the country. Uh, eventually, the record company went, look, we, we like this Loser song. Um, we're going to release it. And it was like the sort of perfect example of an overnight 
unexpected smash hit. Mm-hmm. They printed 500. Um, it, got, it got some college radio play and people just kept requesting this song. And then it went to the bigger radio stations and the bigger radio stations. And before you knew it, it was like in a billboard top 10. Um, and everyone in the country was going back crazy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a bidding war, Beckomania. Um, and uh, I think it was kind of written off as a bit of a one-hit wonder. You would do, would you? You'd be like, oh, well, that's not going to keep going, is it? It's seen as a sort of spiritual successor to Creep by Radiohead as well, right? By who? Do you think that? By music journalists really? at the time. Yeah. I'm a creep. Which makes sense. I'm a sort of Generation X, sort of, yeah. It was cool like... in the 90s to say, oh, I'm a shithead, I'm, cool. I'm a creep, I'm a loser. No, these Gen Zs, you know, with a cancel TikTok. culture. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, now I think culture's a lot more about, like, wellness i think is a big thing just now isn't it it's about like i'm just trying to get better man i'm a vegan baby so why don't you support me <laughs> yeah shall you get me radiohead's creep would just be like and i've got mental health so talk to your mates <laughs> If you're struggling, pick up the phone. What's that thing people do with mental health stuff? They're like, please don't um, try a riff, but I just woke up. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> please don't yeah, stigmatize me. It's a violent <laughs> way of being. I've got BDP. 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 Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm a creep, but actually I'm neurodivergent. It's called ADHD. I'm supposed to be here. I do belong here. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> she slash her. Um, you've gone. You you've gone. You stared at me funny. I don't know what you're saying. Singing was too good. I was doing sleaze. Uh, so instead of so the lyric is uh, she's running through the door, <laughs> but I did a sl- she slash her oh. so joke about joke about pronouns. Wow. Okay, Leo Kiss. Right. And then you looked terrified at me, like I'd crossed a line. <laughs> uh, but I think it's perfectly acceptable comment, actually. Um, so uh, it's similar to Creep as well. Radiohead got pretty pissed off with their um, their. Reputation of being a potential one-hit wonder band and people only really turning up to their concerts to see Creep. See, here's the thing, man. People get upset about the whole one-hit wonder thing. Do you know how rare it is to have one hit? Mm-hmm. It's so, most people have zero hits. And yeah. it's not wonderful at all. Yeah, it's a real... It's a, it's a bit of a fucking privileged artist thing, yeah. isn't it? Oh, but then, one like, you know, wonder. I wonder... Most people you know, are a but... zero-hit fucker. How would you feel if every time you did a gig, someone shouted out, do your cereal bit? I'd love it. I wouldn't like it, but I'd go, you know. It's a solid... You've written a new show. Uh-huh. You've written a new show, yeah. and it's about your um, how you're neurodivergent and you've been diagnosed with ADHD, and you're at a really sombre moment uh-huh. where you've uh, you've spent 10 minutes um, describing in depth an episode of Future Armour. Uh-huh. Um, and then someone shouts out in the middle of the big reveal, do the cereal bit. I don't think that was happening to Radiohead or Beck, though, that they were 
trying out new stuff and then people were like do that song no people would leave after they played that song yeah, yeah. well that sucks but at least people are coming in the first place you're getting the ticket yeah, money yeah you're making money aren't you shut the fuck up I just I just yeah you're fucking laughing all the way to the bank shut the fuck up <laughs> Rich Hall, Rich Hall had that. I was. Ta- I read his book recently, Rich Hall's book, and he was talking about how he uh, he had this thing called squigglets mm-hmm. or sniglets they were called, and it was like he came up with like little dictionary definitions for words that don't exist, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would do shows, and people would go, "Do sniglets, man! We came for the sniglets." And he'd be like, "That doesn't work. That stuff doesn't work." Life. So uh, Beck's response to this is a quote. Um, crowds were treated to 20 minutes of reggae or Miles Davis or jazz punk iterations of Loser. At one day festivals in California, he surrounded himself with an art noise combo. The drummer set fire to his cymbals. The lead guitarist played his guitar with strings faced towards the bo- his body. And Beck changed the words to Loser so that nobody could sing along. <laughs> it's a bit ungrateful, isn't it? Especially after you've spent years struggling and now you've just made probably a million dollars yeah. and people are people are excited to see you yeah to see the thing you've written and you're like i'm gonna sing it in french it's just that kind of i don't know as I, I can understand the impulse but it's it's just that kind of artist thing of like uh you like that you shouldn't i know i made it but yeah. i don't think it's gonna really great so so probably kind of yeah. like embarrassed by being successful you know i remember that that yeah. thing with sinead o'connor where she was like ah they're trying to make me a pop star but like i'm not i'm a protest writer it's like someone tried to make him a pop star and he was like i'm not i'm a well, not a protester but he's like a outsider art figure he wanted to be he was seen as uh the king of the slackers mm. um and i like this quote he says slacker my ass slacker my bottom I never had any slack. I was working a $4 an hour job trying to stay alive. That slacker stuff is for people who have the time to be depressed about everything. That dropping pianos off of builders for people who can afford pianos, man. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so he released Mellow Gold on the back of um, Loser. Mm-hmm. Mellow Gold. Do you know why it's called that? No. Um bit of a running theme here at the Enjoying Album Studios. Mellow Gold was the name of a particularly potent Californian weed strain. Hash. Yeah, Hash-ish. so he named, he named his album. Hey, I don't like being called a slacker, but I'm going to name my album after a weed strain. Do you know what? I hate people say I just lay around the house all day. I'm going to call my new album Dido White Flag OG Kush, you know? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, then we get to, to Odelay. Is there anything you want to pick up on before we, we sort of talk about how the album was made? Oh, there's a big thing we didn't talk about. That is fucking Scientologist. Oh, yeah, man. I wanted to do a quiz this week called um, Scientologist or Bioncologist. Uh, <laughs> and I would give you people and you had to tell me whether they were a Scientologist or a bisexual oncologist. <laughs> Unfortunately, I could not find a list oncologist. I don't even know what an oncologist is. I think it's yeah. really fucked. I think it means child doctor or something. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, how can you have a profession where you have to A, be on call, but then there's also doctors called oncologists. So surely an oncologist is just a doctor who is on call, but all doctors are on call. 
Oh, sorry, all bisexuals. Yes, at all times. It's Bisexual Awareness Month. Phone them up. Just want to make you aware of bisexuals. Raise the profile. It's kind of fucked up because people are like, oh, cancer awareness. And then they're like, bisexual awareness. It's like, yeah, they're different. <laughs> they're different things. How would you feel if the type of thing you were um, was treated like cancer? You know? Oh, we need to be aware. Call us something else, man. What would you call it instead? Bisexual, sometimes it's called Bisexual Visibility Month, isn't it? That's cool. But then other things need to be visible, like cancerous lumps. Yeah. So it sounds the same. Yeah, I guess visibility and awareness are... It's a little bit fucking ableist, if you ask me, calling awareness visibility, because there's other ways of registering... uh... We're treading in very light water this week. Huh? (laughs) I left out. I fucked my ass. All right. I met a bisexual oncologist on the road. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I can't do a Scientologist or bioncologist. Um, <laughs> it was one of my favourite titles to come up with, but the content just didn't come. Um, the bioncologist didn't tell you that much. Uh, so yeah, there's a, 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 a. Do you know? Do you know Jerry Seinfeld was not a Scientologist, but he dabbled. He went to a couple of classes and stuff in his 20s and they're very good at getting rich people in aren't they mm-hmm. uh, so but and it just takes a few and there's a lot of dumb rich people right who get pulled into stuff like that um, and then once you've got a few mates mm-hmm. who are into something they invite you along you know see if you join I'd how... probably join no I'm uh, ju- I just like no, but I don't like being left out of what my friends are doing I am becoming a bio-oncologist though <laughs> I think one thing about Beck is that unlike your uh, your Dom Gruzes or your uh, who are other famous Scientologists like your Juliet Tom Tom Cruise Dom Gruz yes or <laughs> I didn't realize that's what you meant who the fuck, who's like Dom uh, Gruz was Dom Gruz no and idea. Tom Cruise but you're always saying people I don't know who they right, are okay um, who was the man who was in My Name Is Earl? Oh, he Jason Lee. He was a Scientologist. Yeah. So a lot of people come into it through the the, the cult of it, but his dad or his mum? His dad. His dad was his Scientologist, dad did, his uh, mum was Jewish. Yeah, his dad was Scientologist, I think still is. Um, and so I think he has dabbled. Mm-hmm. And he said in 2004 that he was, but in 2019 he said that he never was. Have you read what... Uh, what Leah Romini of King of Queens said about this? No. Okay, so... What What? were what, what the odds of me saying yes? I don't know. Well, do you know Leah Romini? No. She was in King of Queens. She was uh, Kevin James's uh, wife in it. you never seen King of Queens? Okay. Uh, when I was a wee guy. My, what's, what's the song to King of Queens again? It's like, my back is getting weary. My back is getting tight. Sitting here in traffic on a Queen's Road Bridge tonight. But I don't care because all I want to do is cash my check and drive right home to you. Baby, all my life I will be driving home to. So she was in that, right? Mm. And she was a big time Scientologist, but she's left. So she'll be on like Louis Theroux talking about how Scientology is like evil and shit. Okay. So Beck said this thing recently, right? Uh, where he was like, 
So this is what he said recently. He said, I think there's a misconception that I'm a Scientologist. I'm not a Scientologist. I don't have any connection or affiliation with it. But I've pretty much just focused on my music and my work for most of my life intended to do my own thing. I think it's just something people ran with, right? Leah Romani said, Pussy, move. You can quote me on that. He's acting like he was never a Scientologist, which is his way of not publicly speaking out and therefore not getting labelled like us and attacked like us. She called Beck a pussy? She called Beck a pussy, or a pussy mover, at least. And then... Well, no, a pussy mover is a different thing. This one who moves on pussy. Here's a, here's a quote from Beck 14 years ago with the Irish Sunday Tribune. Paul. He said, yeah. Big paper. Um, huge paper. It's like a broadsheet. Yeah. He said, yeah, I'm a Scientologist. People can sort of say and do whatever they want. I don't have anything to hide. I'm completely proud of my life. I think it's about philosophy and sort of uh, all these kinds of, you know, ideals that are common to a lot of religions. There's nothing fantastical, just a real deep grassroots concerted effort for humanitarian causes. So he was... I think that's so cool that she called him a pussy. Yeah, because he has been a pussy. Uh, He was married to Marisa Rebisi. Uh, who is the sister of actor Giovanni Ribisi. Do you know him? Uh, I'm going to shock you. No. You don't know Giovanni Ribisi? He had the iconic character of Parker Selfridge in Avatar. Remember that? Right. Yeah, yeah. You watched Avatar recently. I watched Avatar very recently. <laughs> I watched it not long ago. Yeah. It's all right, that movie. Giovanni Ribisi is the, uh, the CEO who plays golf with a coffee cup. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, was yeah. Phoebe's brother and friends. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, so, uh, so his sister is married, was married to Beck. the boyfriend and lost in translation. Yep. Stupid RBC. Maybe that's what Bill Murray whispered into Scarlett Johansson's ear at the end. Beck's a pussy. <laughs> he whispered, I was driving along the San Francisco <laughs> Highway and Scarlett Johansson asked me to fuck her. I left Tokyo. I fucked my ass. All right. All right, Bill. <laughs> Bill Murray, not a Scientologist? No. He's a good Catholic mm-hmm. boy. Yeah. Good rumour. Good rumour to start, yeah. though. Uh, so okay. anyway, right. anyway, anyway, with the Beck stuff, um, here's what Romini said about Beck's comments. She said, you can't be married to a Scientology family, such as the Rubisi family, and not be fully on board. Beck was there every day doing courses and auditing. He was very much a Scientologist. To say that he was more focused on his thing and the press just ran with it, is a pussy move, say that again, pussy move. This is oh his God. way of not publicly stating that he was very much in and now he's not. It's very clever of him to use these words. It allows him to evade publicly denouncing Scientology. It's his way to get around being attacked, as we all have. Then the article ended with this insane paragraph. Despite the criticism and wishy-washy stance, Beck's new album has been received well by critics. <laughs> It currently has a Metacritic score of 76. That's how you're ending your article. What's this, like, what's this actress's name? Leah Romini. Leah Romini. Much respect to Leah Romini for publicly calling Becca Putties twice yeah. in an interview. Check out her Absolute interview with Louis queen, It's really good. Queen shit right there. I'm putting her straight into the Enjoy an Album Hall of Fame. Secret sale. That's what I'm calling her. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> 
Okay, um, should we get into the album? We are 45 minutes in. We haven't even mentioned the album. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy it's moly. It's a biggie. It's a biggie. There's just... a lot to cover. It's it's Beck's only um, album on the yeah, list. Yeah, insane, man. Insane. So, you know, I'm getting Sinead O'Connor vibes with this episode, you know. There's a lot to unpack. Very interesting person. Only there once. Had an interesting life. Lots to talk about. Mm. It's cool. Now we can talk about the album. Did you, had you any familiarity with the Dust Brothers who produced it? Um, well, uh, inadvertently, yes, but I didn't know who they were prior to the, the research. Mm-hmm. So they did the soundtrack to Fight Club um, and they produced some, some beat, bo- beat boys. Beastie boys. Some beat boys. Um, beat boys. Boys, I got their beat boys. I got that feeling. That beat boys. The Beastie Boys Mm -hmm. albums. So here's the thing that I like about them. They always do very diverse stuff. So yes, Fincher. I'm a filmer, so I know who Fincher is. David Fincher. Can you you use his full name for the non-filmers? If there's any non-filmers out there, Uh, David Fincher is. uh, Yeah. He, he did a film called Fight Club, and it's about how cool it is to fuck people up. Done That's a, fight the called, the film. A, a fight called Film Club is as it? well, which <laughs> made no sense. Yeah, first rule is to speak in uh, weird sentences. Yeah, <laughs> same for this podcast, to be honest with you. Uh, so he done the music for Fight Club, but the same year he also done a film for uh, a song for the film Muppets from Space. Uh, is that another Fincher? That's another Fincher for sure. Yeah. So in 1987, he produced a track with Korn for the Spawn soundtrack. Here's a question. Uh-huh. You're saying he, singular. Oh, yeah, they. For sorry. an artist called The Dust Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't know. I assume it's two, two dudes. Do, you, but, do I know, you know the Dust Brothers' names? Please. King... Johnny, and, Johnny and Billy Dust. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Gold dust and silver dust. No, it's a... Uh, King Gizmo and EZ Mike is the Dust Brothers' names. Okay. So in 1987, they've done a track with Korn called Kick the PA for the Spawn soundtrack, but they also produced Mbop by Hansen. Wow. Yeah, so very mm-hmm. wide palette. We need to check out those guys' life story, man. There's a great... I've probably mentioned that on the podcast before, but there's a great... Uh, column called number ones where a guy goes through every yeah, number yeah, one yeah. of all time and the Hanson Mbop is just an absolute wild ride go check it out please um, um so Odelay started his life before the Dust Brothers involvement it was a lot of sort of acoustic um singer songwriter style tracks and the Dust Brothers basically came in and uh, and fucked shit up with samples and uh, sort of production. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, I think this sort of album, um, it'd be much harder to make now because of the amount of samples. This is sort of similar to, remember we we did The Far Side? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's packed with samples as well. Illegal samples, uh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think because of albums like this, that now it's much harder. If you want to, if you want to ha- just have like a little bit of a drum beat in a song, or or in some cases in this album, just a little noise, mm-hmm. or one lyric, or you know one bass line, you have to pay a lot more um, because of the way contracts are now. Um, but but when these albums were being made, it was much easier to just rip something and and lay it on. Mm-hmm. 
so that's one of the reasons I think this album has this inclusion, right? Because it's like I think when people say, "Oh, it'd be hard to make that now these days," it genuinely would. You couldn't say this now. You couldn't say that these days. You couldn't yeah. say a devil's haircut because people would say hey, that's that's offensive to bald devils, you know. <laughs> and uh, I agree with that actually. Uh, do you have any before we get right into the album? We've got a couple of segments that we forgot to do. Uh, unhinged YouTube comment. What are you thinking this week? Huh? I don't have one this week. Okay, I have one. <laughs> uh, I found a a, a Beck, I was watching just Beck videos to try and get into them. It's really cool style, like really surreal imagery, and there's always it's just fun, you know. You can tell he's got like a, a you know, it comes from a sort of artist background. You, you can know tell I mean? his granddad was dropping pianos off buildings, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was watching the video for Loser, right? And I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. What you, well, what's that? Uh, you're watching back your uh, video footage of your own fridge show? Ah. No, I was watching a video. Uh, shut up. Ah. I was watching a, a video for Loser. Ah. Right, okay. I was watching a video for Loser, right? And uh, a guy here, his name is Lincoln Park Rules 227. <laughs> That's me. That is you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, and this, this seems like it's quite sad, but don't, don't worry, it'll go somewhere. Uh, Lincoln Park Rules, eight months ago, said, Oh, my brother, my dear brother, he left this world yesterday, and this was his favourite song. Still remember when you were 14, I was 10, and you showed me this song. I was fascinated. You took me down the rock and roll path, and thanks to you, I developed my own musical tastes. Today, I discover that you left this world of your own free will, taking an overdose of pills until you were sound asleep. Dear brother, when I found out about that, coming to listen to this song was the only thing that occurred to me at the time, and here I am listening to this song at three in the morning while singing loudly and enjoying the music as if you are still with me to listen to it together. Brother, when you first showed me this song, you told me that we all had dark necessities hidden within us, but we weren't brave enough to show them to everyone. Now, I understand it, and I am sorry I understood it too late. I love you, brother, and I will always love you. Thank you for showing me these musical wonders. I will miss you today, tomorrow, and always. This song will always be a part of us, dear brother. And then there was a response to that by a guy called... Can can I just say, that's one of the saddest... I genuinely feel emotional hearing that. (laughs) Well, get ready, get ready for this. I'm I'm like pretty like emotionally exhausted from the last few months, and I I honestly found it difficult not to cry whilst you read that out. That's so sad. Well, here's here's the response. Dark Vinny has responded. <laughs> he goes, "It's fake, guys. Trust me." Gecko William Rutella has responded to Dark Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> it did not happen over the year. He said, "Hey, Dark Vinny, how do you know?" Dark Vinny comes right back at him. 
He commented on a lot more clips. The original comment is on Radiohead songs, No Surprises, and Daydreaming. The reason he, the original, commented on these two songs is that his brother suicided on them. They are on the account's playlist. This fake one said in this comment that his brother died yesterday in a two weeks old at the time, but he posted comments a lot older that he said the same, that yesterday his brother died. It's not only fake, but copied from a person that really went through that just for a couple of likes. It is very bad. So how do you feel now? Wow. Well, it was still one day that was true about... Do you know what the original comment was? What song that was for? Is that going to be your playlist pick this week? What? No surprises by radio. <laughs> I think that's on the yeah. list. Was that the original one? Yeah. But then this guy's okay. just taking it and lied copy about pasted. it. He's copy-pasted yeah. the guy's fucking real emotions. And he's got you. He did. and But really... Dark Vinny. I'm still, I'm still sad, though. It's almost like the Is argument it, for uh, hip-hop, isn't it? It's like, well, okay, what? this guy's... <laughs> well, this guy's taking somebody else's... Sadness. He sampled. He sampled. He sampled someone's sadness and made something beautiful out of it. <laughs> what what better tribute to Beck could you That's have? That's like the funky drummer drum loop. Do you know what I mean? It would have only worked if he actually sampled that whole comment and in the middle sampled a comment from somewhere else, just saying like <laughs> "Happy New Year" or something. That was a good drum loop. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm still. Sorry to have that's bummed a, you. Yeah. Well, it bummed me out, but it's been an emotional roller coaster that I still haven't quite processed. So, <laughs> after the episode, I'm going to have a lie down, I think, because. Um, oh, Dark Benny's got your back, man. He's not going to let you get fooled. Yeah. I, w- I would ne- I, I, I found the first bit, and I was like, that is one of the saddest things I've ever found. Because there's a lot of people going, oh, my brother loved this song, but that was like proper. I mean, using phrases like, we all have dark necessities hidden within us, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is. Really get into it, you know. Well, Dark Vinny knows that more than anybody else. <laughs> he can smell a rat a mile off. Hey, it's fake, guys. Trust me. It's Dark Vinny here. <laughs> he commented on a lot hey. more clips. You gabagool. <laughs> His brother suicided on them, you freak. <laughs> That's my favourite bit, is the phrase, yeah. Hey, you ain't never even been to a bodega. You ain't never been suicided, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Drink Dark Vinny and Purple Ronnie are pals. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> With two guys reviewing tattoos, we're gonna Google them and search and then we'll choose if it's tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo. We're judging the ink, yeah, that's what we do. Do do do, full sleeve or face, that's a big skull or wing. Best you pick the design, is it bad or just fine? A dragon or a skull, pretentious or dull, you cannot hide. And we will decide if it's tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo, yeah. I'm a tattoo woohoo, so why don't you boohoo? Uh, Beck doesn't have any tattoos. Okay, so Odelay. Um... <laughs> but uh, I was telling you about this. Beck doesn't have any tattoos, but there's a singer called Halsey. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, they've got Halsey. I've never really listened to them much, but they've got a big army of very um, 
They've got, they're almost like Swifties. Oh, really? Housie's fan base. Yeah, yeah. Housie's got a, a big army of um, prolific fans, I would say. Right, so I googled Beck tattoos and does Beck Hansen have tattoos? Because there's this other guy called Beck, like Jeff Beck. Doesn't have yeah. tattoos either, I don't think. That's a spoiler for when the Yardbirds come out. But, uh, yeah, and the alcohol brand Bex. <laughs> they have little tattoos on the bottles that says ABV 3.4 yeah. or whatever. So, Sailor style. Um, yeah, right on the neck. Uh, but then I found, I typed a Beck tattoo and it came up. Oh, there's a thing that's called Halsey. She has a neck tattoo. In cursive writing, uh, it says, I'm a loser, baby. On her neck, uh, right? So that's a, a reference to Beck. That's what I thought. But then I looked into it, and she's friends with a band called La Bouquet, who have a song called "Loser Baby." Oh, you sent me this. I sent you this. One of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Honestly, it's dre- it's really dreadful, and uh, but it, it 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 has lifted the chorus from Beck's "I'm a Loser." Yeah. Um, but it has none of the. But the thing, the thing that works about the song "Loser" is that, in the same way, what works about the song "Creep" it, is that you, but it's believable, right? Uh-huh. The production value matches the the song. Mm. He sound like he sounds like a, I'm a loser, baby. It sounds so like you know he's got this slacker really? vibe. Like he looks like he's unemployed. And he literally doesn't he's, care if you uh, kill him or not. Yeah, he looks hopeless, right? And the same with creep, like yeah. I'm a creep. You're like, yeah, this guy is a fucking creep. Ugh. That, that high production oh. on on the chorus, so produced. It has the, the he, it kills everything that's cool about the song. Check this out. I'm not putting it on the playlist. I'm putting it on the opposite of the playlist. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm asking you to listen to it once. The sleigh list. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds good as well, right? Yeah, it does actually. The grey list. Ugh. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I, I was listening to it, I was like, what does it sound like? It sounds like, do you know those guys who busk and they do like, like finger tapping, like they won't hold the guitar properly, they like put it down and they'll start slapping yeah, the yeah. side of the guitar for percussion yeah. and like, it's like that in the intro, but then the guy singing sounds like, do you know those weird scene kid guys on TikTok who do uh, emotional covers of Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush and they're like, if yep. I could make a deal with God, I'll change places with you. It's like, that's the singing and that's the guitar playing and it has like the production of a Maroon 5 song and you're like, who the fuck is this for? Yeah. Did you hear Rita Aurora's cover of Running Up That Hill that went yes. viral on Twitter? Mad. Brutal. She played every note except the right notes. That was like a... Same same deal of just completely misunderstanding what's good about a song and just thinking that it's, that it's just a song, mm-hmm. you know? Just like shit. To sing, to sing that song like that is wild. Yeah. Isn't it? And then at the end she goes, ah. she's done like a wee wink and a kiss. And you're like, you yeah. cannot... That's like a psychopath move. Imagine you killed someone's whole family and then you looked them in the eye and went, no. Yeah. I guess that. Yeah, you've just murdered all the all of Kate Bush's children. Yeah. You with your... might as well have. It made me sick yeah. that song. So listen, can't do it for Beck, but tattoo woohoo, tattoo boohoo, Halsey, I'm a loser baby, tattooed on the neck, in delicate cursive writing. What are you giving it? Oh, it's a boohoo. It's a boo-hoo. Curs- it's I don't a boo-hoo, like cursive baby. on tattoos. What song? So I put 
uh, you, you put the album on and start with Devil's Haircut, which is one of the more well-known. It's very recognisable. Yeah. You're like, okay, it's Beck. it's Beck. We're in for an hour of Beck. The, the album's about an hour long as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's Beck all the way through, baby. You know, mm. it doesn't let up. You know, there's no Mr. Ben here. Um, it is full Beck. There's a wee bit of Mr. Ben, but in a very kind of, in the way that it's acceptable for Mr. Ben to be Mr. Ben, because Mr. Ben is this unknowable god who goes into a charity shop and has these adventures. Beck is the exact same way. The thing about Harry Styles is that we know who Harry Styles is. He is a wee guy for the Midlands who won a pop competition. So if you're trying to be some fucking... Uh, Pause. I'd say it's different than Mr. Ben, though, because uh, what 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 Beck is doing is he's going into that charity shop and instead of dressing up as a spaceman and then going on a little spaceman adventure, mm-hmm. he's picking up a spaceman's hat, mm-hmm. but then he's picking up cowboy boots, yes. and then he's putting on a, a jock jacket, and then he's just walking back out onto the street and saying, who wants to fuck? Jet, like Jack Kerouac himself, man, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's a uh, great way of putting it. Yeah, it's a wee bit like that. I love, there's so many. I don't know if he was the first person to do it. I don't know enough about this style of music to know what the history of it is, but like, just the idea of listening to hip hop that is also a country song, you're like, this is fucking dope. You can see how it could go too far and you'll end up with Kid Rock and Uncle Cracker and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And I think some of Beck's later albums as well, he's sort of tried to lay tribute to this a bit and it, it hasn't worked out all the time. Mm-hmm. But this at the time as well was especially like, I think, you know, every now and then you hear something, you go, this is basically a new type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, you don't really think of Beck like that, or at least I didn't. I just sort of had him in a broadly sort of alternative indie space. And then listen to this, you go, there's a lot of hip hop on this record. Yeah, big time. Big t- you can uh, tell that the guys who done Paul's Boutique with... Uh... Beastie Boys ended up doing this, and you're like, oh, okay. But then I was, there's a great, uh, a sense, this is a really shite thing to say, there's a really great blurb on the Apple Music. I'm the blurb expert, know, baby, man. so I'm happy to hear about Wait, blurbs. you hear this blurb, right? <sighs> By now, we know what happened, but you can imagine what the producer was thinking. As much as Odile reflects the past, it also presages an attention deficit future where we cobble stories together from fragments and feel our focus constantly shifting from one shiny object to the next. At the time, people didn't have cell phones, and the biggest bands on the radio were post-grunge artists like the Smashing Pumpkins. Within a couple of years, we'll start hearing the pastiche of artists like Gorillaz and Fatboy Slim. But a couple of years can mark an era. Odile was where we were going, but we weren't there quite yet. That's a great blurb. That's a fantastic. And also, and I never... in fact, laying the roadmap for, for Gorillas and Fatboy Slim is, uh, that's a cool, that's well, well spotted. It's a great way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, some of these Apple music, I know you're a Spotify guy, but some of these Apple music blurbs are red hat. And that's one of them. That's a good one. Yeah. I liked blurb. it. And I was, and, and, and see, I, I, I was surprised these cuts went on the list. So, but uh, since I left you by the avalanches, this reminds me of that. Just that kind of cut and paste to create whole little different worlds. They're more like a tropical holiday world. Um, but then, do you know that song Frontier Psychiatry by the avalanches? I think that's no. so... Oh, you never heard that? No, okay. not that I can think of. Cool, yeah. man. 
It reminded me a little bit of Manu Chow as well. This and it, it's a different mm. style of music, but you know, in the, in the sort of DIY aspect of it, and the mixing and matching of lots of different genres to create a new sound, a new very distinct. Like you hear a Beck song, you're like, "This is Beck." Yeah, you know, and other people can't really do his songs any justice. Mm. I don't think. Um, so yeah, and that that it's like that all the way through the album, like you. Every song is different, but it's still distinctly a Beck song. Mm. Um, and there are, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's good. It's a good album. I love it. There are some songs I probably would more likely to skip. Uh-huh. It's not one where I'm like, okay, I'm putting this on, and I'm excited to listen to every track all the <laughs> way through. You know, there's, I guess, there's one or two that I would call filler. Maybe I reckon it could be three or four, three or four songs shorter. Yeah, um, that but, last but, song's wild. The computer rock, and it's just like it sounds like a computer booting up or something. Yeah, and it's there's like some of it that it's just and it never, it's never, never like another sample comes in and like he starts singing over it. It's just a minute. Of... Yeah, I I think as well that sometimes they let the uh, experimentalness sort of uh, overtake the goodness. You know, a wee bit, but I like it. And you know, you feel a bit wrong-footed sometimes. You go, "Okay, now it's the chorus," and then it'll just cut out, and then it'll just start screaming. And I'm, I'm here for it, baby. Yeah, and sometimes like the intros are just literally like, you know, it'd be thirty seconds of noises before the actual song starts. You're like, "Is this the song?" Or sometimes it starts as a song, and then you go, "Oh, actually, that's not the song. This is the song." Um, sometimes the samples would play, and mm-hmm. I'd be like, "I actually just want to listen to that song." Yeah, sometimes, yeah, but it's a nice place to hang out. That's that's what this. It's a very transportative it's a very cool, record. And it, yeah, and it's a cool. It's a cool. Like, a, how do you say this? It's a cool record to explore. You know, it's mm. like it is really inter- interesting to listen to. If you're into music, I can see why you would like this because it is like a a journey. Um, and 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 each time we listen to every song, we pick up on different elements. There's just so much going on with every song, mm. uh, but it never. It only occasionally feels like too much i love it i love the new pollution uh, yeah it's like kind of uh 60s pop i love that trumpet solo and that and then it's it's an electric keyboard electric keyboard comes in after that it's very yeah. cool shout out to Bilal zafar who the gaffer himself the gaffer himself who used that in one of his uh twitch skits uh god knows we all love a twitch skit and he, he did one of the best ones with the sex men and he uses yeah. it in his uh, journey, and I love it. Um, yeah, it's a great song, that. Uh, I love Devil's Haircut, Hot Wax. I love the kind of country-fried balladeering of I'm Getting Into Country, Lord Only Knows. And um, Did you hear the story about when Johnny Cash had Beck open for him? Please. Oh, my God. So, in 1995... Beck opened for Johnny Cash in LA and Beck, I don't think he got to meet him or anything, but they've interviewed Johnny Cash and he said, I listened to him backstage and I was so impressed with the way that he could do Appalachian music like a hillbilly. He was really good at it. And then his own sort of songs, you know, and then he talks about one of Beck's songs called Robot and he says, it sounded like something I might have written or might have done in the 60s when I was going through some weird times. <laughs> <laughs> And then Johnny Cash actually covered it. 
and you think, oh, it'll be like when he covered her, and it was like 10 years after. No, Beck put this on in like 1994, and then Johnny Cash covered it in like 1996. It's like a year uh-huh. after they heard it. Uh, and it's a really cool song, Robot by Beck. It's not on this record, it's in one of the ones before it wasn't mellow. Sounds like one of these kind of unknown ones. Um, and it's sick. I love the sample in um in in Jackass the um the Dylan it's um it's all over now Baby Blue. Dim 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 dim. It's all over now, baby. It's not Dylan's version that is sampled, mm-hmm. um, but it's his song. I was going to say I also don't recognise that Bob Dylan song, so it was kind of lost on me. But you don't need What's, to know this. You know, it's nice to know the samples, and you feel like a little smart boy. It's fun to look up as well. There's one yeah. on Novocaine that I couldn't find. Boom. Oh yeah, because it's a kind of not very uh, old-fashioned sixties pop song. It doesn't sound like that, and it just goes da 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 Bow. You're like, mm. this is class. I think that's the the song they play when you go to the pictures. No, just kidding. Uh, one really fun I thought this was just Beck saying it and I kind of shouted out earlier but there's a bit in um, what's the name of the song it's one of the singles it was called Where It's At Where It's At I got two turntables and a microphone yeah uh, and then there's a bit in it where he goes that was a good drum break and I thought that that was like Beck just like ad-libbing but it's a sample from a song by a band called The Frogs, the Frogs. And it says, I don't care if you disrespect me, just so you love me. And that's the first line in the song. That was a good drum break. And then the next line in the song is absolutely wild. It's like, well, I, was, I was telling you about it. You mean it? What's the lyric? Ass is in the nightclub, is it? Yeah, he's talking about frogs. I don't <laughs> care. Sorry, I'm just going to He's talking up. about frogs? That's the they name of the, the frogs. <laughs> yeah. Please cut this down to some music with Okay, he goes, that was a good drum break. I feel like making love to all the men tonight. And, I mean, it's so cool to just take a wee bit out of that song. And not that bit. I mean, if you were to put that bit in, that's fine as well. I just really feel like making song. love to all the men in the club tonight. It Jack con- Kerouac's music it- career. <laughs> it continues. Lots of cute- <laughs> It continues. He goes on. <laughs> Lots of cute guys in the club tonight. You're not kidding. Lots of juicy asses hanging out. Uh, so that's like, uh, I just think it's cool to take something from that song and it's like usable, you know? It's not like... <laughs> so He's just that song so I, I like this song, but I don't want any of the ass stuff. No, I like the ass stuff. I think it's cool to have a cool Yeah, but song. you're not Beck. No, I'm not Beck. I'm not a Scientologist. I'm not Giovanni Rubizzi's brother-in-law. Showing you're up on the set to Avatar every day. You're not a pussy. I'm not. Well, yeah. So, usually on this show, we'd say, did you enjoy an album? Did you not enjoy an album? I think this week we're going to say, do you think Beck's a pussy? <laughs> like Leah Romini does. Do <laughs> you think Beck's a pussy? Yeah, I do. I think he's a big old puss. I think it's cool to be a pussy. So that's my hot take. Uh, is this record emo? No. No, it's not emo. It's not emo too, at all. Too cool to be emo. I think Loser it is a cool, was kind of emo a wee bit. Yeah, but same as Creep, emo. but, but um, yeah, they, they both artists moved, moved away from that, really. This is the first time since we've started as this emo where I've said that the artist is not emo. Yeah. You have continued your streak of nobody is emo. 
I don't believe in emo. <laughs> it's, a, it's a myth. Okay, bop shop test. You're in a record shop. You're flicking through the bargain bin. Disc by the very disc. Odily. You see mm-hmm. the album cover. It's a it's a dog who looks like a mop. Jumping over... I love that type of dog, by the way. And it's jumping over a show barrier. Whatever they're called. A dog show barrier. A little uh, pole. Sideways pole. <laughs> and the dog's jumping over it. Odily. £20, near mint, no special disc, but it's a great cover, it'll look nice on your shelf, how are you going to get it, 20 quid? Bob Probably not. Are you kidding me? Really? I love I like, this record. I, I, I love I, I, this record. I didn't love it. Like, I liked it, I enjoyed it, I'm glad I listened to it, it's fun to listen to, fun to explore. I can't imagine myself putting it on again and again and again and again. I honestly think, sometimes with this, you know, not to appear, not to reveal too much behind the curtain, but sometimes... I'll listen to a record after I do this podcast and because you've told me about the artist's life and stuff and I don't have the pressure of having to talk about it, I just hear it in a completely different way and I think that's going to happen with this one. That has happened to a couple of albums that we've, we've covered, uh-huh. sure. We end up liking them more or less sometimes after we do the podcast. Yeah, but uh, my, my current position is good album, worthy inclusion on the list. Mm. Probably not going to be one of my... Like, I probably will listen to it from time to time, but Are I can't imagine... Are you in checking out, like, Sea Change? Some people say Sea Change is his best album. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I'm a Beckhead there. I think I'm drinking Beck's Blue. Uh, so posh, much posh Beck's. Filling, yeah, I'm poshing Beck's down my fucking checks, my check shoes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get shoes for the Czech Republic. And then, you know, I'm just Beck's out. Yeah, okay, interesting. I loved yeah. it. I genuinely... I didn't enjoy an album. I loved an album. Wow. Yeah. I enjoyed an album. It's like a cow... It's like a kind of... If you show... This would make... This would be a cooler thing to say if they hadn't made the TV show Westworld. But it's a wee belly showing up in a town where everybody's a cowboy. But then you peel off their faces and everybody's a robot underneath. Because someone already came up with that for that TV show. But see if someone hadn't... It was a film before it was a TV show, Westworld. Oh, someone the, knows TV, the TV show is a, film a, a, over a, here. a film over here. Well, have you never seen uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land? That's a parody of the film Westworld. What is it? Yeah. I thought that was just a parody of Disneyland. Well, it's both, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Well, wow. Liam with some great film trivia. First series of Westworld is, is good, actually, and there's a lot of cool um, cowboy-style covers, um, saloon-style covers of big songs. A wee bit like in Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. Um, I Speaking album, of Bioshock Infinite. No, I enjoyed an album. Um, I'm glad to have got to know Beck more. Yeah. I think he's a cool guy, actually. I think he's despite, great. despite him being a big pussy. He's, um, he's a pussy, yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I, like his, I like his vibe. I'll check out some of his other music. I'll keep an eye on him. I'd maybe go see him live. I think he'd be a good, good guy to see live. If he was playing, this would be a new feature. If they're playing in your town mm. on a Tuesday night, mm. if if Beck is playing at what mm, venue? Let me think, the Barrowlands mm-hmm. on a Tuesday, twenty four. It's it's twenty four pounds a ticket. Are you going? Yes. Actually, no, not yet. But I want to. I want to improve myself with my Beck knowledge. I want to read the Beckionary. I want to get <laughs> to the point where I 
would appreciate that because he wouldn't. He would only play like three or four songs off this record and Loser, maybe. I wouldn't know the Sea Change songs or his new hits. What if he's playing this album? Beck plays Odelay live at the Barrowlands. I would fucking head down there with. Uh, I would take two CB for the first time, and I would love it. Two two CB. Yeah, is that what it's called? I don't think so. What's it called? I don't know what it is. It's two CB. It's like uh, acid and MDMA in the same thing. Right. Well, I mean, you are maybe out drugging the recovering drug addict yes. here. Yes. So. Two CB. I might be making that up. No, it is. There you are. Uh, I never took that. It sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I've got though? I've never had two CB. I've got hear this. A big bag of minstrels. Big bag of galaxy minstrels. What? So the every week we do the playlist, which you, the dear listener, can access at playlist.st. Uh, that website is by Mega Slippers, and uh, that'll let you access the Spotify playlist and the Apple Music playlist. Apple Music playlist updated by Jay Howlett, our dear listener. Um, and every week we add two songs from the record, as well as two spongs. Two spongs? Two spongs. <laughs> two spongs from the Schmackard. Two spongs from the Schmackard, and two spongs inspired by the Schmackard's basement. Uh, two songs uh, the, inspired by the, the song I'm adding from the album this week is The New Pollution. Oh, what? I was going to do The New Pollution. Is that your favourite song as well? Yeah. It's cool. Um, I'm going to stick on... That was what I was, was going to pick because I loved it so much. But I'm going to stick on uh, Devil's Haircut. No, yep. I mean, it's obvious, but it's a great Nothing tune. wrong with being obvious on this, the, the album. Devil's Haircut. Um, In my mind, I've got the Devil's Haircut. I think that's good. Uh, my bonus track is going to be um, the song It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Um, the, that is sampled on Jackass um, oh. and the band that um the, this is a sample of are called them and it's uh that's that's what i'm putting on them it's all over oh, now baby blue that's pretty cool uh well we were talking about it right at the start we're talking about how beck done a lot of the songs for scott pilgrim versus the world by edgar shite and um there's a song on that playlist and it's black sheep by metric but uh, there's a version in the film where they got the actress Brie Larson, who also plays Captain Marvel. They got Brie Marvel, I mean Brie Larson, to do the vocals for this version. So it's Black Sheep, Brie Larson vocals version by Metric, and uh, it's just absolutely amazing. It's the part in the song, it's part in the film where Scott Pilgrim comes in and his new girlfriend, their exes are both on stage in his band, and he just goes through all them. And it, honestly, oh. This song, I've listened to the original version. It's not as good. The singer of Metric isn't as good at singing as uh, Brie Larson's. It's stunning. It's kind of like uh, it reminds me of the if the Killers were still good. Yeah. Imagine if the Killers were Scottish. Oh my God, Mister Brace said, "More like Mister said, Man, I've drank too much. I am my Fuck." Coming out of my cage and I'll be doing just fine. What are you doing in a cage, you wee dobber? Um, who are we listening to next week on the Enjoyed Album Podcast? 
You don't know? <laughs> I forgot to play that. I'm sorry. No idea. I was okay. just I was so caught up in doing this one this week. I've I'm I'm trying not I'm trying to live in the moment, Liam. If you'll forgive me. Uh, Next week. Oh, it's a cool one. Oh yeah. I haven't listened to this album, but it's one of my uh, dear wife's favourite albums. Mm. She loves this band. Mm-hmm. Yola Tango oh. with I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. Oh, great. We've got Oyola Tango next week. After that, we've got Marvin Gaye, MIA, Earth, Wind and Fire, Eric Church, Dire Straits. We've got some good... Pardon me, Eddie, can you cut that out? I'm going to say this again. We've got some good records coming up. Uh, sorry for having digestive problems during some of that, but we've got some great records coming up. I'm excited. Peace and love in the new millennium. Did you enjoy an album? Yes. Yes. Not as much as me, but you did enjoy it. And, sure. Um, uh, lovely to do this with you. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to do this with, with you too. All lovely right. to uh, leave town. Uh, 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 <laughs> And get paid five dollars to fuck me in the ass. Paid me five bucks to make love to my mouth. I uh, smoked have a, a week. joint. I took well, acid. Okay. We'll see you next week for uh, Yola Tango. <laughs> okay. See you later, Yola. Goodbye. Ooh.